Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast, and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to the Truth and Liberty live cast. I'm Mark Cowart, sitting in for Andrew Womack, and we are going to be blessed tonight. A very dear friend of ours, I say ours, mine, and the, the, the entire ministry, Dr. Alex McFarland is with us. Brother, it is so good to have you, and uh, it's always good, Richard, to be together with Amen. you. And uh, man, we, we're going to get into some awesome things tonight, yeah. but as usual, we've got some things to share, some great meetings coming up, and some materials to share. So Richard, could you do that with us? And yeah. then we'll get into our time with Alex. All right, absolutely. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in tonight and watching. And I want to encourage you to uh, let others know about this live cast. Uh, Alex is just an incredible wealth of information and wisdom. And so you'll want to make sure that your friends and family know about this. And uh, by the way, if you're watching tonight on YouTube, I want to encourage you to jump off of there and get on our website at truthandliberty.net where you're guaranteed to have a better viewing experience and not get censored. So uh, do that tonight and you'll be glad. Uh, and I wanted to mention tonight that uh, we've got some amazing events coming up here at Andrew Womack Ministries. Next week is the annual men's advance and uh, coach Tony Dungy mm -hmm. and uh, uh, James J.B. Brown from CBS Sports are both going to be ministering along with Andrew Womack at Karis Bible College. That's March 10th through the 12th. You won't want to miss it. Sorry, ladies, this is just for the guys this time. Uh, the women's thing comes later this year, but uh, this one's for the men. So get your husbands and brothers and fathers and sons out to the men's advance. Karis Campus Days is coming up April 6th through the 8th, Campus Days. This is by far my favorite event of the year because uh, 10 years ago this year, it's where God got a hold of me and my wife and brought us here to Karis Bible College and changed our life. So that's April 6th through the 8th. Check that out online at awmi.net. And then also the David musical, April the 8th. So that's just before Easter. And uh, this is uh, the title of it is actually David, King of Jerusalem. And it's an amazing drama, a musical written by Robert and Elizabeth Murin that will bring a tear to your eye, remind you why you love Jesus and how glad you are to be saved. It is awesome. You won't want to miss it. Um, I wanted to mention also tonight um, that uh, uh, if you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty Coalition, you need to be. Uh, we send out blogs and articles and action alerts and things like that uh, every week to our subscribers to help you be equipped to stand for truth and to let your voice be heard in the public square. So subscribe today and get on the list for that. Just share our, your email with us. And if you do, when you do, you'll be eligible for our weekly giveaway. Every week here on Truth and Liberty, we give away a free product to our new subscribers. Last week, I want to congratulate Ryan Rivas. Ryan, you won A Better Way to Pray, one of Andrew's best and most, and, uh, most favorite books. So that'll be coming to you, an email. You'll get an email telling you how to claim that. 
that. This week we're giving away more grace, more favor. So let me hold that up so everybody can see. This is Andrew's latest book, and this has to do with the incredibly important subject of humility. So you don't hear a lot about humility in the pulpits today, but it's actually one of those keys to the kingdom. If you're frustrated and wondering where the blessings of God in your life, maybe it is you need to look at humility because the Bible says that uh, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So subscribe today and be eligible for that. And uh, also, uh, if, if you're not a supporter, a financial contributor to Truth and Liberty, we want to invite you to prayerfully consider doing that uh, because we are doing amazing stuff here. God ordained stuff here at Truth and Liberty where we're standing for truth. And uh, I heard a testimony um, two days ago, Pastor Mark, of somebody who was watching Truth and Liberty, and that's how they heard about Karis Bible College. And they have come out now here. They're a first-year student at Karis, and their life is being transformed by the Word of God. So uh, not to mention uh, just standing for truth and impacting culture. So you can go to our donate page on truthandliberty.net and sign up to be a one-time or better yet, a, um, a member of Truth and Liberty by making a uh, $5 or more regular contribution each month. So do that today. And we believe God will uh, reward you for that investment. And then also, it's an interactive uh, broadcast, remember? So if you want to uh, get questions to Alex and Pastor Mark, just put that in the chat function there on our website or in the comment section on Facebook, and we'll uh, do our very best to get to your questions tonight. If you need prayer tonight, uh, I'm, I can't overstate this. They, our prayer ministers here at Andrew Womack Ministries are absolutely incredible. We see miracles every single day coming out of that phone center. And I'm talking about everything from blind eyes being open to people being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. So call in today, 719-635-1111, and let one of these spirit-filled, uh, uh, Word of God trained ministers agree with you in prayer today. That's all I've got, Mark. Awesome. Well. I tell you, we have a lot to talk about tonight. And one of the things, you know, Alex, we know you well here. Yeah, I know you mm -hmm. well for many years. Yeah. I, just a very dear friend. I was just uh, looking at this. You know, you're a Christian apologist. You're an author. I know you're an evangelist. This, this man is a witnessing machine. And uh, you're a cultural analyst, an advocate for biblical truth. Yeah. Uh, you speak worldwide. You've been in over 2,000 churches. Yeah. But I just had this thought. I've never done this before. <laughs> when I first heard that there was such a thing as an apologist, I thought, now why would somebody want to apologize for the gospel? So tell us what an apologist is before we get started here today. Well, thanks very much, Brother Mark and Richard. It's great to be with you all. Great to be with everybody watching Truth and Liberty. It's always a great honor to be here. And I I thank you both. You've both invested in my life. And uh, goodness, I, I could take the whole show uh, telling you how this pastor has shaped my life. Amen. And I look up to both of you so much. But uh, apologetics is not what you might think. It's not apologizing. It's not saying, I'm sorry. You know, every now and then I'll be on the road speaking and I'll say, you know, we're going to look at Christian apologetics. And people come up and they'll say, uh, you know, listen here, young man, I don't apologize for being a believer. And it's not that. It, it's actually, and Richard, you might appreciate this, apologetics is actually a legal term from the ancient world. It means to speak in defense of something. So if you're defending the Christian faith, and we're saying, look, God is real and the Bible is true and Jesus is the one and only Savior. What we're doing, we're defending 
the Christian faith. And, and it comes, there are a number of verses, about a half a dozen verses in the New Testament that use the Greek word for apologetics. Uh, probably the most well-known is 1 Peter 3.15, be ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks a reason for the hope that you have. So what we're doing at Keras when we teach apologetics to these um, wonderful students here, we're teaching the students how to defend the Christian faith. Wow, that's great. You know, Alex, that is so powerful because a lot of times most people think, well, I think I can hold my own or whatever, but uh, you probably know these. It's been so long since I've heard them that our young people, when they leave their home and they go off to college or out in the secular workplace, they really don't know how to stand up against a secular humanist professor mm -hmm. or an atheist in the marketplace. Uh, what's the state of our current affairs in the body of Christ being able to defend the faith? Well, you know, I, I think regarding young people, and I, I love youth ministry. Angie and I have been in youth ministry since before we were um, married. You know, when, when Angie and I were dating, she was in nursing school and she taught a second grade Sunday school class. And I used to set out chairs and I, I, I used to think, I can set out the chairs. I'll set the room. That's what I'll do. Just don't put me up in front of anybody. But I, I heard my wife to be, I heard her teach many times before she ever heard me teach. But we've been in youth ministry all these years. Uh, but I think the, the status of our young people that uh, go away to college and lose their faith is tragic, actually. Um, in fact, um, the studies vary, but roughly three out of four young people, and maybe they went to youth group, maybe they made a profession of faith, maybe even went to Christian school, K through 12. But three out of four after high school will have about a 10-year period where they don't go to church, live as Christians, don't necessarily even profess the Christian faith. Mm. And so this thing of really solidly equipping all ages, but especially young people, to live as a disciple, be able to share the faith, and if need be, defend the faith, uh, we've not really gotten the job done. Mm. Those are alarming statistics. And you know, if we've ever lived in the time that Paul talked about when he told Timothy, he said, in the last days, and we know that. We believe that's this time in the last of the last days. Yeah. Perilous, dangerous, stressful times will come. Then it gives that whole litany, a list of people, men being lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, fierce, without self-control, savage, mm. we're there. Yeah. Um, there's so much to talk about tonight. What, what has been on your radar and what are you focused on right now, Alex, with mm. all these current happenings? I mean, we just had Ukraine, but oh, yeah. what, what is, uh, what, what's on your radar right now? Well, uh, like, like most believers that are, you know, walking with the Lord, I'm praying for a great move of the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm praying for the church to be revived. Uh, I, I want to talk about the status of worldview mm. and our culture. But first, I've got to say this. Uh, I'll tell you what gives me hope and joy, and that is Karis Bible College. The, this morning, I, I had the privilege of speaking to the global leadership class. And we did a class here on media and public relations and how to do interviews. We, we teach a class on how, whether it's like local media, radio, 
and maybe some of our students will someday be on the desk at CNN, and I think they will be, and, and I have been, and MSNBC, CNN, uh, NBC, CBS, Fox, um, I give God the glory, I've been to all those places, and we teach here how to do media interviews, how to even handle what we call hostile media situations. So I was in front of several hundred students this morning doing a, a media and public, public relations class. Then we do biblical worldview, and we're teaching what is a, a specifically Christian worldview. We talk about what are the competing worldviews, and I, I wanna say to everybody watching, uh, pray for this incredible ministry. Students are coming here from all over the USA, North America, from around the world. And folks, uh, I love, I love uh, education. And I've, I've been to 200 colleges to speak. There's nothing like Karis. If you visit Karis, you will want to come here. And what I see that God is doing and what's right with the world is happening up on top of this mountain. In a, in a place called Woodland Park, Colorado. So I'm so excited about what God is doing to raise up leaders uh, in the third year school. There's practical government, there's business. I was hoping you got to that. I, oh, wasn't, exactly. gonna, I wasn't gonna let us get out of here without yeah. talking. Well, you know, wh what's so unique and thrilling about the Karis experience? Um, young people of all ages, they learn the Word of God. They're saturated in the Bible. They get a great grasp on what it means to be a Christian. But then there are areas of concentration, like missions and ministry and business and leadership and practical government. This college is teaching people how to run for office, how to make a difference in, in the halls of government. And you know, Alex, one thing, I think the youngest we've had here is either 17 or 18. 17. And 17, and the oldest, I believe, was past 90 years of age. Mm. Amen. You know there's no retirement in the kingdom. That's right. That's right. There's no Hebrew word for retirement. Praise and, God. And so I did want to say this, you know, David Barton, dear friend of the ministry, all of us, David and Tim, and uh, you know, he's the one, in fact, Richard and I, that's where we first started out yes. together. Richard was the first coordinator for the practical government. We had the privilege to sit down with David and Tim and Andrew and those in that room, taking his old historic documents and with his leadership, put the X in the sand, developing the curriculum because Alex, we don't know we don't our know. nation's history. Oh, I know. Exactly, exactly. And listen, I know we've got some things to talk about, but I want to say to everybody watching, uh, pray and thank God for what He is doing here at Karis Bible College and the students. I w this morning I um, taught uh, first and second year biblical worldview, and we were in one of the larger rooms, and I know there, was, there were at least 300, 350 students, and um, we had a break, and I was talking uh, a student named Joel, who's from Missouri, a uh, young African-American man, 20 years old, brilliant, on fire young person, talking about what he was gonna do in ministry. And I meet people of all ages, and, and I just wanna say to everybody watching, pray, learn about Karis, because even if, even if you're not looking to get into an educational degree program, you're gonna meet somebody. There's a young person in your life, or there's somebody you go to church with, and I want to say pray 
promote support because part of what God is doing to rescue America is happening right here at Karis. And if I, if I sound like I'm excited, it's because I am. I am so enthused about what the Lord is doing through this school. I'm excited with you and I agree the Spirit of God is moving here. I say there's fire up on this mountain. Amen. And it's the fire of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, Alex, uh, you, you mentioned worldview teaching, biblical worldview at Karis, but uh, you've been working with Andrew over the last couple of years yeah. to develop a new product on that very subject, biblical worldview. I brought a copy of it here today. You want to tell the folks what this is? Sure. Thank you very much. And, and listen, I owe that relationship to Mark Coward. We met about seven years ago and Mark said to me one day, he said, I want you to meet Andrew Womack. And I said, you mean the man on television? I, I've seen him for 25 years, you know? Well, we got to be friends and biblical worldview is what we believe and why we believe it, how to live it, how to share it. We've been doing a series of products like this. This is a biblical worldview response to socialism. Socialism is rising, it's, it's amazing. We, we did a bib biblical worldview curriculum on human sexuality. How do you effectively talk to people about what God says about marriage and gender, sexuality? We did one on racism. What is a biblical worldview response to racism? Now this just rolled out in January. We were in Phoenix, Arizona and people were coming up uh, around the table. I mean, it was very humbling. People said, this is exactly what we need. My church, my young people. So what we've got in here, we've got incredible presenters like uh, Bill Federer, uh, Andrew. We've got some of the faculty from Karis. We've got uh, an attorney, Abraham Hamilton III. He was one of the youngest uh, district attorneys in America. He's on here and there are uh, more than 10 hours of teaching, actually 20 hours, 10 lessons, 20 hours of teaching. This will equip you to understand what the threat is to our liberties, to our freedom. This will equip you to understand what is good about principled capitalism, biblically based, a moral economy, and how you those you care about, and maybe even your church and your neighbors, we need to pray and speak against Marxism. America and Marxism are incompatible. So the biblical worldview, this is one unit of many that we're creating. We film again April 20th, and we're doing another segment. Um, when Andrew and I began to talk about these, he said, uh, how many do you want to do? And I first came up with a list of about 50 topics. And <laughs> Andrew said, well, maybe trim it down a little bit. And, and so I trimmed it down to 40 topics. <laughs> but uh, Richard, how can people uh, locate that product? Sure, uh, they can put that up on the screen now. Uh, just go to truthandliberty.net slash worldview, I think. So that'll come up. Uh, yeah, there it is. Truthandliberty.net uh, slash worldview. And you can uh, get a link there that will take you to where a place you can find out more and order it if you'd like. And there's, I think this is the third installment that's finished, Biblical yes. Worldview uh, Socialism. We've got a Biblical Worldview founding foundational principles. Foundational truth. And then racism and now. And, and uh, human sexuality and too. Human sexuality. So uh, I, I didn't know that one was ready, but. Um, anyway, yeah. there, there's several in the can, so we're not done yet. But. Oh yeah, that, that's right. And, and again, this is so unique, so timely, so innovative yeah. that 
You know, folks, let me just say that uh, evangelism is telling someone how to be born again, and that's important. Obviously, the, the bottom line for the church is the Great Commission. Mm. But then we've got to, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, renew the mind by the Word of God. And in training masses of people, this ministry is training millions in biblical worldview to be able to present, explain, defend the faith. Present, explain, live out, and defend. Alex, I got a question. How many people, current, how many Christians currently hold a biblical worldview? Wow. Well, you know, there, there are a number of trend watchers, one of whom is George Barna. And Barna, very respected pollster, they do um, surveys. In fact, in some of our conferences, we've worked with the Barna Research Group to do questionnaires. And some of the foundational truths of a biblical worldview would be, um, I believe Jesus is the, the Son of God, the one and only Savior. Uh, yes or no. I believe the Bible is the Word of God and is complete truth, infallible, the Bible, yes or no. One of the questions they've asked people, uh, Satan is real and is the enemy of our souls, yes or no. Well, of American Christians, and look, I love the church. I'm in a pulpit somewhere about 50, 52 weeks a year. I love the church. But Barna estimates maybe 7% of American Christians actually have a, a biblical worldview. That's exactly what I've heard. And hence the need. And to my knowledge, uh, there's no other product like this. And, and I thank God that Andrews had the vision, and it, it's from the Lord, but um, these are resources that will help you. These are resources that will make a difference. And I, I think about this because I've prayed with many a mom and dad. They say, you know, Alex, we raised our kids in church and now my, you know, millennial son is an agnostic or an atheist. Yeah. Um, we want to help people come to Christ help people come back to Christ. We want to help people stay with Christ. And uh, Richard, get, give that URL again where people can find these things. Sure, absolutely. It's uh, truthandliberty.net slash worldview. Yeah. So they'll, they'll pop that back up there. You know, Alex, uh, um, this kind of brings home to me the whole question of, of discipleship and education. Yes. You know, uh, our kids, for the most part, are in school about 40 hours a week, right? From 7.30 to 3.30, and they're in church. Mo the vast majority of kids are not in church at all in America now. Those who do go to church, uh, I don't know what the percentage is, it might be 15%. When they do go to church, they're in church for a, a message that lasts 20 to 30 minutes, right? Right. And, and then mo mo a lot of churches today have done away with Sunday school done away with Wednesday night, done away with catechism, done away with all these educational things. Mm. And, and I think it's part of this mega church movement, right? right. We, want to, we want to make everything bite-sized, consumable, uh, user-friendly, except yeah. we call it, what do we call it now? Um, Seeker-friendly. Seeker-friendly, yeah. So, and I'm not critical of the heart behind those things because I know it's driven from a desire to reach people, but have we made a big mistake here in how we do church in America? You know, there was a, a Harvard University professor a few years ago that said in just continually watering it down, dumbing it down, don't want to offend anybody, uh, he said, we've succeeded in making Christianity irrelevant. Mm. Because, and th this was uh, part of a longer quote about 
the, the church really losing its influence. He said, the, the, the secular man that works his job and maybe the weekend just has a little bit of free time and he's tired, he is not going to muster the effort to go to church where secular views are simply echoed. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in business, there's something called a unique selling proposition. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you've got a company and you've got a product, you need to maximize on what you've got that nobody else has. What is your unique selling proposition? And in the church, my goodness, we've got this thing called truth. Uh, we know who God is. The most valuable product there is, right? Exactly. And that's why I tell churches, look, don't be afraid to say to people what thus saith the Lord. I mean, we've got an answer because it, we, we've polled people, we've worked with organizations. Look, everybody thinks about three, well, really six things. Three intellectual questions, three emotional questions. And I wrote an article one time, six ways you're led by heart and by head. Okay, the intellectual questions, origin, purpose, destiny. Where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we headed? Origin, purpose, destiny. Then we've got three emotional questions. And this really does get to where a lot of people are. Acceptance, significance, security. Acceptance, do I fit in? Significance, do I matter? And security, am I safe? And here, here's the thing. Now, people will spend their lives and they'll wonder, where did we come from? And, you know, why, what's the purpose of life? Goodness, mm. there's a war in the Ukraine and the economy and, uh, you know, all these things. Does life have any meaning? But the thing that we really do think about, and, and really, we humans, we uh, psychologists talk about what are called felt needs. And acceptance, everybody wants to feel like they belong and they fit in. Nobody wants to feel rejected. And then significance, we want to feel like we matter. Um, You know, we've all been parents and uh, the child draws a picture. Put it on the refrigerator, mama. Do you like it? Daddy, do you like it? We all want to feel Mm. significant. And then security, we all want to feel safe. Mm. Now, as we go through life, we, we will bend over backwards to try to have these felt needs met. In fact, there, there might even be somebody mm-hmm. watching right now, and you, you, you're wondering, does anybody care about me? If I lived or died, would it matter to anybody? Okay, here is our unique selling proposition. The Bible said God demonstrated His love and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want to say to everybody listening, the unique thing about the Christian faith is we've got a God that is real, a Jesus who loves you. He proved who he is by rising from the dead. And what I say to churches that are maybe a little too seeker friendly, look, the world's starving for truth and we've got it. Let's proclaim because we, we know where we came from, why we're here, where we're going, how to be prepared, uh, a, a Jesus who laid down his life for us. Let's tell the world what their soul is hungry to hear. Mm. Amen. So powerful. You know, something you said, Alex, uh, speaking of George Barna, <clears throat> y'all interviewed George Barna last year, year and a half, but he gave out of 384,000 churches in America the five metrics that they use for determining whether we're successful. Okay. And it's attendance, it's income, it's number of staff, building square footage, and number of programs offered. 
And it was important, I think, that George Barna said, not that those things necessarily are important, but that has nothing to do, to your point, Richard, of making disciples. Mm -hmm. And when you look, we have expressed Christianity. You know, we move you in and move you out. We promise not to keep you more than this amount of time. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, go make disciples. Would it be fair to say, Alex, that worldview is the lens that you see the world through? Would that be it? That's a great description. Okay, because the reason I want to bring it up, a lot of people are going, why don't people see that? Mm -hmm. Or can't they see that? And it's because the worldview, if we only have, I've heard six, six to seven percent. On a good day. On a good day. And if you've got six to seven percent, so I I use the illustration when I, uh, um, when I, preach a sermon. Hmm. You know, I said it's often been very interesting. Two people hear the exact same message and one is so mad at me they can't see straight and the other are in tears thanking me. Amen. So I go, how does that happen? You're hearing the same thing and it's worldview. Right. And so a lot is we made a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy in Christianity yes. to where what in the old uh, analog world or VHS tape world, oh, you yeah. have what you call generational loss. Yes. And yeah. you would get down to where the image couldn't even be made out. I think that's where we are in Christianity. So would you say that all of these things that we're seeing, all of this stuff dismantling, that the biblical worldview is probably the first step? Oh, yeah. To really getting this because we're trying to talk to someone that is looking through a lens and they don't have the same eyesight, so to speak. Or a- absolutely. Would that be fair? Uh, a- absolutely. Because before somebody makes a decision for Christ, uh, really, um, and of course the Holy Spirit works on what's in our mind, what we believe is true, what we believe is important shapes how we behave. Mm. There, there's beliefs, mm. values, behavior. All right, belief, what what do we think is real or true? Uh, Then values, what do we think is important? And then we act on those things, that's behavior. Well, because our culture is less uh, inclined toward Christianity, when we were a more gospel-centered culture, uh, it was just kind of understood uh, you need to deal with God. There's church, you know. But millennials and younger, they, they've not lived in an America where church was affirmed and valued. And if they went to secular education, I can guarantee that they've been subjected to a, an attack on God and country. So one of the ways, and I've got a statistic that I think is going to be exciting. One of the ways that we influence values, beliefs, behaviors is through relationships. Mm. Now, when you've got a relationship, a true relationship, psychologists say that a relationship is trust, honesty, respect. And you can build a friendship. You can actually build a relationship, give and take back and forth, even with people that, with whom you disagree. But as you spin, what's this magic thing? It's not money, it's not, you know, a lot of things. Time, T-I-M-E. When you spend time with somebody and, and trust, honesty, respect grows, you can impart truth. So what some people are doing, we've already heard reports on the biblical worldview curriculum, they'll have a small group in their house. Um, have, you know, half a dozen people in, 
pop popcorn or eat some you know, refreshments, and they'll say, we're going to watch a video, we're going to discuss. There are people buying these resources that the Lord's allowed us to create, and they're having small group in their home, spending time, and people are hearing about Jesus. People that are socialist, progressive, you know, secularist, little by little, the Spirit of God is working on them, and through relationship, we can influence people in what they think is true, what they think is important, how they behave. And so, um, honestly, the, the shark-infested waters of culture <laughs> where we find ourselves, it's, I, guys, I think it's an opportunity. Yeah. One last thing, and what's really cool, and we're hearing from people too, as people watch videos and they learn and they prepare to try to win their kids to Christ or influence their neighbor, they, they're telling us, they're saying, look, for the first time, I'm really drilling down deeply into the Word of God. I'm, I'm doing a deep dive on Scripture. And so, isn't it wonderful that as you try to minister, you yourself grow and are strengthened as well? That's true. Man, Very true. what you just said, you know, I, I've seen this with children. Children spell love, T-I-M-E. Mm. I think people spell love. T-I-M-E, and yeah. you know, that biblical worldview, when you said that, I could just see that. Yeah. If people would engage and do it with unbelievers, there's a hunger that God's put in the human heart for truth. Well, and, and let me say this, and uh, Lifeway, a uh, publishing company back in Tennessee, they did a, a survey just a couple of years ago of 5,500 millennials, they were 20-somethings. Mm -hmm. Now. Um, Somehow or another, the statisticians said that was a representative sample. So in other words, they all around the continental U.S. and they said, this is representative of the majority of millennials. Anyway, I'm going to take their word for that. But 86% of non-Christian millennials had no church background whatsoever said this, I would be listening, I, I would be willing to listen to a Christian explain their beliefs even if we disagreed. Mm -hmm. Now think about, here was the quote, I would be willing to listen to a Christian explain their beliefs even if we disagreed. Well, why are people, why are so many Christians intimidated uh, from, why are they scared to share the gospel? What, what's holding them back from, from sharing their faith? Uh, fear and disobedience. <laughs> can, can I chime in on that? Please. I think lack of knowledge mm -hmm just takes your confidence out the door. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that lack of knowledge kind of gives that fear. Well, what if they ask me about this and I don't know the answer? Well, even today, if somebody asks me a question, I don't know the answer, I tell them, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, but I'll check into it. Yeah. But uh, exactly. yeah, you get the knowledge for it and that builds the confidence, I think. Yeah. And uh, you know, we just recently met, you were talking about the new series coming up on heaven, hell, and eternity. Yeah. And that's in the pipeline right now. We'll it's film exciting. it in about four weeks. I'm excited about yeah. that. And the thing of it is, <clears throat> I saw a survey and I tried to remember, I've got to look this up. Somebody that was associated with Billy Graham Association, they actually did a survey and they just randomly started unsaved people, ordinary people, uh, do you think about heaven, hell, or eternity? Almost seven out of 10 people think about heaven, hell, and eternity every day. Wow. And this man told this story about, you know, it really 
touches the deepest part of my heart. Uh, so they had just finished a survey and this guy, they, they went to lunch one day and there was this waitress there. And he said, excuse me, ma'am. He gave his order and everything like that. He said, can I ask you a question? He goes, we just finished a survey and we did a survey on, you know, how often people th think about heaven, hell, and eternity. And he goes, do you ever think about that? And she burst into tears. Mm, yeah. And she said, oh my God, you're the answer to my prayer. And she pulled her sleeves up mm. and she had sliced her arms to pieces mm. and she had covered them, just gotten out of being on lockdown for I don't know how long. Wow. She said, I was asking God every day if he was real mm. and you're the answer to my prayer. And he led her wow. to the Lord Amen. Awesome. that day. So even like this right here, bring over those people that are atheists, agnostics, and, and, and dialogue. And you know, the word says, when we water, we also shall be watered ourselves. The greatest way Amen. to learn is to teach. Amen. Amen. It, it really is. It really is. And yeah, um, I, I truly believe, I truly believe that millions and millions of people around us, they are lonely. Mm -hmm. They want to feel like somebody oh matters. Yes. They, and, and we have a great opportunity. Oh my goodness. Could you imagine leading somebody to Christ or being in the equation uh, and, you know, just nudging somebody and somebody else leads them. But, uh, you know, I, I'm so blessed. I've told this story on Truth and Liberty before, but I was saved like three or four weeks and I was going to church on a Sunday night. There was an old retired minister. He's in heaven now. His name was Buford Smith. And I'm going- North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina. Good, good old, good old country name. Buford, Buford that's Smith. A, that's a North that's Carolina good. name. I know. I've never heard it. And, and I had been saved about four weeks and I'm going into church on a Sunday night back when we had Sunday night church. And he, he I tell people Buford was six feet, 13 inches tall. He's <laughs> big old tall guy. He said, young man, is anybody going to be in heaven because of you? Oh my God. And I said, uh, and I stammered. I said, uh, uh, anybody in heaven is because of Jesus. And he, he said, good answer. He said, young man, he was, he was 90 even then. I was 21. He said, young man, do something with your life so that somebody would be in heaven because of you. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you guys, that was, uh, you know, I say a Kodak moment. Yep. I was in West Virginia. A teenager came up and said, Kodak moment, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. That was back when Kodak. we had cameras. But yeah. <laughs> that was one of the definitive moments of my life. Yeah. And I, I just want to say to everybody watching, Will anybody be in heaven because of you? Mm. Wow. Do something with your life so that somebody, somehow, some way in the little continuum, somebody would be in heaven because of you. And thank God, Karis is creating resources to equip you to do that. Amen. You know, Alex, I uh, was, uh, saw somebody posting the other day on social media, Christian, um, and they were taking the position that, you know, the, the New Testament, it doesn't show the Christians ever running for office or, or are talking about politics or all this sort of thing. And you know, it's wrong for us to try to change the direction of our government. This is actually a Canadian believer. And uh, I'm, I'm, I think a lot of pastors uh, and Christians avoid the subject of culture and policy and government because they think that it might turn people off to the gospel. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what's your view on that and how can we bridge that, uh, that gap there or that, that concern about offending people and how do the two things relate? Can you talk on oh, that? Oh, great, great question, Richard. Thank you so much. Well, you know, if you read the book of Acts, which is kind of the history book of the early church, uh, early Christians didn't run for office because they couldn't have. That was not an option available to them. But had it been, I'm convinced they would have. I'm going to give you two biblical figures that absolutely engaged in politics. One was the Apostle Paul. You know, when necessary, he would appeal to his Roman citizenship. You know, there, uh, in the book of Acts, he, Paul's about to get, you know, uh, whipped. And he says, hey, by the way, I'm just curious, why are you about to do that, seeing that I'm a Roman citizen? I've got to believe the Roman centurion went, what? <laughs> you know, so Paul definitely engaged in politics. But I'll tell you who else in the Bible engaged in politics? Jesus. Okay. At the time of Christ, you know, there was the Sanhedrin that was the, the Pharisees and the uh, religious leaders. A lot of people don't know this. The Jewish people, even though Jerusalem was occupied by Rome, but there was a standing police force that the Sanhedrin had at the temple. They adjudicated legal matters. They rendered decisions. They passed laws. And when Jesus dialogued with the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, the Sanhedrin, he was essentially going to the courthouse and dialoguing. Now, as uh, the, the Christian worldview shaped the West for 2,000 years, and then you began to gradually get representative government, and of course that reached its full flower in the birth of the United States of America, I am absolutely convinced that Christians should we should use every legal means to share the gospel and to live godly in Christ Jesus. And guys, I want to quote, I know time fleets away, but uh, I want to share a speech that Calvin Coolidge gave July 5th, 1926, mm -hmm. our 30th president. This was on the 150th anniversary. You know about this speech? No, but I'm doing the numbers in my head, so go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. 150th anniversary of the, the Declaration of Independence. This is so amazing. So, Richard, to your question, should Christians be engaged in politics? Of course, absolutely. Why leave it to the heathen to run our lives? And how is that connected to preaching the gospel? Well, it, we can't preach the gospel if we don't have religious freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't. Uh, the Bible says that we are to pray for kings, for those in authority, that we may live a peaceable life in all godliness. And what that really means is we are to pray for, desire, work toward a culture most conducive for the spread of the gospel. Now, uh, before I quote Calvin Coolidge, I want to quote Augustine. He lived 354 to 430. Augustine wrote a very famous work called The City of God. And he said, look, we're on our way to the city of God. But until we get there, we have an obligation to the city of man. And so it is absolutely appropriate for Christians to be involved in politics because, um, let me say, there, there is a, a fallacy called a false dichotomy. A lot of Christians will say, either you're living for Jesus or you're engaged in politics. Uh, why can't we do both and? Now, because I care about the state of our government and the future of our country, and I care about those things because I care about what my life is going to be like in 10 years, and I care about the church's ability to publicly 
live and share Jesus. Um, look, because I do care about America, it doesn't necessarily follow at all that I don't care about heaven. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had Christians say, well, um, I thought we were supposed to live for heaven. Well, yeah, but uh, that doesn't preclude that we invest in our nation. So on the 150th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence, Calvin Coolidge said this. He said, there's a certain finality about the ideas that made America. He said, look, all men are created by God. You can't really improve on that, said Coolidge. All men have worth, value, dignity, rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. He said, you could change the the Declaration and Constitution, but it would not be progressive. It would be regressive. Mm. This is amazing. Mm, That's excellent. Yeah, nearly 100 years ago, Calvin Coolidge said this. He said, many argue that we'll progress and we'll change. He said, when you're on the top of the mountain, any way you go is down. And he said, if we ever change our Declaration, Constitution, Bill of Rights, it is not for ideas more modern, but actually ideas more ancient. He said, we've come out of tribalism and fiefdom and dictators. We've we've moved beyond that. And now we are at, and, and by the way, the two greatest comments ever were Coolidge's speech and the Gettysburg Address. We've got government by the consent of the governed. That never happened before in human history. And so Coolidge was right, and to the progressives, to the Nicole Hannah-Jones and the AOC and the burn the house down and let's build something new, I say, look, um, when you're on the mountain peak of representative Judeo-Christian democracy, any way you go different from what we've got is down. So may God save America yes. and may we all participate in that endeavor. Amen. Amen. You know, that's awesome. When you're on the top of the mountain, there is nowhere to progress. You're at the top. Um, and, and socialists and progressives, they can never point to a country or a nation where their ideas worked, can they? No. <laughs> So, you know, we've got biblical worldview socialism here. I thought, uh, well, we're down to 12 minutes here, but can I ask one question? Sure. What is socialism and how is it different from a constitutional republic like America? Great question. Socialism from the word social means that everything is shared in common. Now, that might sound good, but the, the, the reality is, though, it's forced. It's the forced confiscation of your wealth and the rather arbitrary redistribution by an elite cobble of uh, oligarchs that decide. And, and basically, you don't have a voice. You don't have recourse. And it's, it's never worked. By the way, people don't know this, that before 1900, socialism had been tried 80 times in America. Wow. And look, at best, there were disgruntled people that walked away and never spoke to each other again. And at worst, there were murders and all sorts of abuses. Now, if you order that, uh, they were giving away my book, Assault on America, with it. I'm not sure if they still include that. Okay. The, um, the Biblical Worldview on Socialism. Um, I've got a book called The Assault on America, and we talk about 
how socialism, <laughs> listen, socialism was tried and abandoned 80 times before 1900. Now here's my question, guys. If you flip a coin 80 times and get tails, why do you think on 81 you're going to get heads? Yeah. Socialism has never worked in America. It's never uh, bettered the human condition anywhere. Look at Cuba, Venezuela, China, the USSR. It will not work now. And, and what's so sad, though, is the lies and false promises of socialism are merely a way for malicious, I would say people with no moral compass to get in office. The, the people peddling socialism, they've got one core value, and that is power. And they, they get in office, and once people are getting free stuff, then people are reluctant to vote them out of office. Margaret Thatcher, you ought to read her book, book, 12 Dowling Street. She was prime minister of Britain during the Reagan years. Margaret Thatcher said socialism is great until you run out of other people's money. <laughs> and see, that's, that's part of, Richard, why it is unsustainable and it is certainly not where we want our free nation to go. Amen. Richard, are we going to be able to get, we're down. I to, think, uh, let's see how many we can get See if we can in. get some in. I've talked too much. Oh, well, that's yeah, okay. This it's is been, good. been awesome. Um, uh, let's see. So Catherine on chat wants to know, what's the best way to take current events and point people to Jesus in the Bible? Wow, really good question, especially, you know, um, if you had a conversation, and, and I try to look for ways to steer it toward spiritual things. Um, did you see in the news where, you know, the troops, they took Chernobyl 10 miles into the Ukrainian border. Goodness, um, who knows what will happen if they have nuclear capabilities. Um, and you say, you know, heaven forbid, but my goodness, if, if half the world were um, extinguished by a nuclear bomb, are you ready to meet God, you know? Um, current events, people are concerned about life. They're, everybody's thinking about eternity. And so um, whether it's politics, the war, economics, just even things like you mentioned, self-harm. So many people are engaging in cutting and self-harm, substance abuse. Since COVID, I, I read that alcoholism has gone up, or at least alcohol abuse is up 400%. Yeah, wow. So I, I, I say, and, and by the way, um, a big part of evangelism is prayer. James 1.5 says, if we ask for wisdom, God will give it. So when I'm talking with people and I'm trying to steer it towards Jesus, I say, Lord, help me, help me discern the, the, the end. Where's that little opening where I can talk about Jesus? Mm -hmm. So yeah. pray about it. Amen. Amen. Good answer. All right. Well, here's another question. This is coming from Robert on chat. He asks, what's the best way to get my son to teach my grandchildren the biblical worldview? Wow. <laughs> a little bit of parenting mixed in here. A little bit of parenting. Well, and I've got a book, by the way, if you Google my name on uh, the book websites, 21 Toughest Questions Your Kids Will Ask About God. Uh. Well, um, uh, God bless you. You're, you're a good granddaddy, and I, I'll bet a good godly dad. Um, I hope your son has a relationship with Christ. And two scriptures, De Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 4, and Exodus 13, talks about when it comes to pass that your son will ask you, why do we do these things? Then you will say, when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, God with a strong arm rescued us. And uh, just remind your son that the most important legacy you'll ever leave is not 
an inheritance, though maybe you're able to do that, but the most important legacy is that you've passed on the faith. And so um, really the Exodus 13 passage, it implies that your child is saying, Dad, I want what you've got. Dad, how can I see you've got a relationship with the Lord? How can I have that too? So encourage your son to authentically live it so that his kids will desire it also for themselves. I wonder if there, if, if uh, you know, one uh, practical suggestion might be to give your son some resources, like maybe he's not doing it because he doesn't feel equipped or doesn't have the time, but are there any resources out there, hint, hint, uh, yeah. hint or, or other things like that where uh, parents can go to help uh, convey biblical worldview or any kind of, you know, maybe American heritage uh, to oh, yeah. kids. Oh, my, and and my by the way, be sure before we're done here, we need to get your website up there. Where can people go to get your information as well? Well, well thanks, Richard. Yes, um, just my name, alexmcfarland.com. Um, I, I want to mention two books. I mentioned my, my book published by Tyndale, 21 Toughest Questions Your Kids Will Ask About God. Super easy to find. We interviewed 300 families mm. and asked what kids their questions were asking. 21 Toughest Questions. Then I wrote a book called Abandoned Faith, Why Young People Walk Away and How to Lead Them Home. But when it comes to the God and country and, and just being amazed and caring about our rich history, oh my goodness, Wall Builders with David Barton. Wall Builders is so wonderful. Also, our colleague Bill Federer, TheAmericanMinute.com, AmericanMinute.com. One last thing I want to mention, a dear friend, Ken Ham, mm. Answers in Genesis, um, because there are questions about science, uh, what about the dinosaurs, what about the flood, Answers in Genesis. I've known Ken for 30 years, and they're doing a great work. So, guys, we are living in the golden age of apologetics. Mm. I mean, all of the, the pertinent questions and objections have been very solidly answered, and uh, Karis, case in point. So that really, there's no excuse that we don't present, explain, and defend because the resources are certainly out there. Mm, fantastic. You know, Eric Metaxas was a, a guest on the show. We recorded it. I think it's going to air soon, but uh, he's got a book out called Atheism is Dead. Mm. And I think that's the title of it, something like that. But he, he's saying that, you know, there is no real scientific justification anymore for materialistic evolution. Never. That it's clear from all the evidence that God exists. So Amen. there's lots of resources out there. Um, He's well, brilliant. We got one more time for one yeah, more? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, uh, let's see. How, uh, how can Christian parents whose kids are in public schools respond to radical indoctrination and unbiblical values? Wow. And let me say, the indoctrination is real, and it is radical, and it is unrelenting. Um, look, I, I, I would not try to um, make anybody feel bad, but, but I've got to say that, the, and, and I, my whole family, goodness, on my mom's side, long line of teachers. My sister, my sister was a high school science teacher. Uh, my sister-in-law is a teacher. I've got a lot of people in our family that have uh, valiantly been Christians in the arena of public education. But I would, I would say that the schools, because the school boards are so radically invested in the LGBTQ trans agendas, the socialist, progressive, anti-American agenda, the critical race theory, the 1619 project. By the way, did you see Nic Nic uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones? 
of the 1619 Project. She was in the news two days ago and she said, um, the coverage of the war in Ukraine is racist because they're just showing uh, white people. Being killed. Well, that, those are called Ukrainians, my friend. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's like to a, to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, uh, in the public arena, um, and I know there are Christians in public education. I know there are some administrators. But to moms and dads, I would ask you to seriously pray, seriously pray about your educational options for your children. And if your kids are in public school, I know a lot of moms and dads, they say, well, my son and daughter is a missionary in their public school. I, I get that, but you don't meet that many 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 year olds that are sufficiently equipped to lock horns with the militant philosophers and indoctrinaires of modern public education. And you know, Alex, I wanted to add to that because Boy, I share <clears throat> everything you said there. So we recently, through Truth and Liberty and a lot of other people, we saw 78 uh, school board seats changed over to conservatives. Praise um, God. There were 10, I believe, complete school boards that were flipped. But the battle is intense. I went to a school board meeting here a few weeks ago never witnessed anything like it. I went online, you know, and I would encourage parents, get involved. Amen. Um, Amen. You need to go to those meetings. I just had one of our members come up to me Sunday after church, went to one of the school district board meetings uh, Wednesday night. That's why he wasn't with us uh, during our thing. And mm. He said, if there were five parents there, I'd be surprised, but the room was packed. Mm. And it was packed with these people that have agendas and doctrines, and uh, so people need to be involved in that. And you know what, guys, we've had such a great time. We're out of time tonight, but we've hit on some powerful yeah. things. Alex, I want to thank you yes. for your life and ministry, brother. Yeah. I know Andrew yeah. loves and appreciates you, oh. all of us at Karis Bible College and Church for All Nations. And I think that uh, anyone that can get a hold of this worldview series and do just like what we were talking about, invite neighbors over, engage, start having conversation with them and let people know about truth and liberty. This is some of the richest uh, resources I've seen and we want to thank you for joining us tonight. So I hope you'll be here next Monday night at the same time for this live cast. And until then, may the Lord's richest blessings rest upon you. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net 